you think he's coming back? I don't know. Why would you run, eh? You should be as afraid of him as I am. I won't bury you. I've buried enough members of the Wayne family. You don't owe these people anymore. You've given them everything. Not everything. Hey guys, how you all doing tonight? It's your boys Nova Dragon and Zitter Zap here, and we'd like to welcome you to our very first episode of the Anonymous Squadcast. Uh, pretty much what we wanted to do was sit down, get a couple of our friends, talk about Battlefield 3, talk about technology, new gadgets coming out, maybe even throw a little bit of movies and pop culture in there. Uh, pretty much we just want to entertain and inform. So uh, without further ado, I'll let ZitterZap do some talking. Uh, hi Noah, how are you doing? Doing pretty good tonight. Uh, yeah, uh, what we want to do first is uh, probably introduce ourselves to our listeners. So let me go first and then I'll ask you to follow. Um, basically, um, my name is ZitterZap. Uh, you can call me Zitter. You can add me on PlayStation with the same name. Um, I have been a PC gamer for quite some time until in 2009, I believe, I bought an Xbox 360 and followed with a PS3. So right now I'm kind of more of a console gamer and I play right now Battlefield 3 is my primary game. Um, I kind of got into Battlefield 3 uh, after playing the beta for Bad Company 2 after which I kind of played Bad Company 2 and then Battlefield 3. Um, right now I have around 300 hours in Battlefield 3, so I've been playing this game a lot. So it would be really fun to talk to you about this game. Uh, why don't you um, introduce yourself to our listeners? That I will. Uh, I'm Nova X Dragon. Uh, if you guys want to look me up, I play on PS3. I pretty much play on everything. I have an Xbox account, but it is not Nova Dragon because it was taken. Uh, but anyway, I've been I've been playing games uh, ever since I was a little kid, uh, probably from the time I was five. Uh, started on the NES, picked up a lot of PC games going through high school, in college, switched mostly to console games, and now I'm kind of in the middle of PC and console right now. But I still play quite heavily on console so uh, this uh, podcast we will be concentrating a lot on uh, console games uh, we also wanted this podcast to be a platform for gamer and geeks to come and interact with us and discuss issues with us so i believe if you're listening to this podcast uh, at the end of the podcast we'll give you some contact information if you can send us an email we'd like to have you on this podcast and we like to talk about video games, technology, gadgets, and whatever random stuff we can get our hands on. 
so I was kind of wondering, Noah, what, what, what have you been up to last week? What were you doing? Well, I actually moved into a new house last week. Uh, I was current. I was previously living in an apartment, and it's not so much that it got small, but the rent was just getting a little unaffordable. And so, uh, my dad was able to help me out a little bit. So we purchased the house. So I will no longer be paying rent. Just going to be paying, you know, insurance bills, things like that. But yeah, now I'm kind of gearing up to get ready for another school year. So I'm pretty excited about that. Okay, yeah, I think that that begins in August, and that is going to interfere with your gaming a little bit, right? <laughs> or it'll free up my gaming because, and during the school year, I only have to work 20 hours a week, but during the summer, I have to work 40 hours a week. Okay, that could be a positive thing. Uh, well, uh, about me, this week I actually watched uh, The Dark Knight Rises and the review for that would be coming up very soon i finished uh, my campaign in killzone 3 the single player campaign i wouldn't recommend it a whole lot it's after you start playing multiplayer shooters uh, single player shooters kind of get boring and uh, basically watched uh, some movies which we might talk about a little later uh, what i wanted to touch on right now is a very exciting news for everybody out there uh, I think everybody right now till now might have already heard about Google Fiber and uh, it's it's pretty cool uh, thing that Google is doing so I mean if you live in Kansas City Kansas or Kansas City Missouri you can uh, get an internet speed uh, of around 1 gigabits per second in up and down for around 120 bucks a month which is like an amazing deal and what you have to do is if you if you sign a contract for two years you don't have to pay $300 construction or installation fee as, a, as you want to say it you also get um, a one terabyte Google Drive and you get a Nexus 7 tablet with it sounds good it certainly does sound good I mean with that kind of speed you talk about you know I'm running on a 15 megabytes per second up, 5 megabytes per second down. And I really, you know, until I start downloading the bigger files or uploading videos to YouTube, I don't really have a problem. But once that, you know, gets more global, you know, it's going to be a thing to reckon with. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, $120 a month for 1 gigabyte up and 1 gigabyte down, plus TV channels and everything. That's pretty cool. Now, I, for myself, I don't prefer to have uh, a TV. I just don't have cable and everything. I just watch everything over the air. And uh, everything else I can find on the internet somehow, somewhere, YouTube. <laughs> uh, it, they are also offering another plan, which is like $70 a month, which is just for the internet. And you get the same internet and everything. You, just, you do not get the Nexus 7 tablet, uh, but you do get one terabyte of space on Google Drive. But uh, another one is if you want to get internet connection for your grandpa or mom and dad, they don't use all that speed. Uh, you can pay a $300 construction fee one time and you can get internet for at least seven years from them. This internet would be five megabits down and one megabits up, uh, which is pretty good. I mean, it's, it's pretty workable for anybody who is not a heavy user. So, I mean, if you live in Kansas City, Kansas or Kansas City, Missouri, 
definitely you should definitely go ahead and uh, try this out and uh, let us know how uh, how it uh, how it performs and how it uh, how it's going uh, one thing i wanted to touch upon is like i do not what what i fear is that uh, google is being a little too bold uh, in kind of uh, offering these kinds of speed at this kind of price and that might uh, sound that might have a red flag effect with all other providers and they might try to slow google down uh, what are your thoughts about that uh, noah yeah you know that kind of actually touches on one concern i had because i mean the the pipes and pipes of tubing that spread across our country can only hold so much information at one time so i realize that google fiber is just starting off in kansas city so maybe they're doing their own kind of microfiber uh, uplink setting but if they plan on expanding to the majority of the US I think they're gonna run into some uh, both cost issues and other people just eating up their bandwidth yeah definitely uh, that is there and I mean we'll we'll have to wait and see when we get uh, this uh uh, service over at our place but I mean uh, overall bandwidth is not very expensive I think I kind of saw a study somewhere that one uh, one gigabit of data costs a few cents like less than five cents or something uh, and Google is kind of bringing that kind of price to the consumers but we'll have to see how it goes so uh, let's move on to our uh, next topic which is about uh, games and gaming and this is about digital games and softwares that can be resold in Europe a uh, court ruled that you the publishers and the authors cannot prevent the users from reselling their digital games and softwares but I mean this is your this is just Europe this is not true for America uh, but I mean this gives a little bit of hope in the future that if suppose I want to sell my steam account with all those games I am not breaking the terms of service from uh, steam and valve and I can go ahead and do that I might have the flexibility in the future to do that uh, following up on this uh, ruling and this news what GameSpot did is that they released a press statement saying that they will they are looking into ways to resell uh, digital content and uh, basically it is a very interesting thing for GameSpot because I think they have a two billion dollar uh, industry where two billion dollars of their sales are basically come comes out from used games which might uh, be a big profit margin for them uh, Noah, you have any thoughts on this? Well, so the the European court case, uh, it, it just brought up something in my mind. I think there's a difference between selling your account publicly on eBay and selling it to a close friend or even you know just a real life acquaintance. Um, I think that selling it to a, a real life acquaintance is completely fine. I think that selling it to, you know, an, an online retail source, I'm not quite sure how I feel about that yet. I'm, I'm sort of leaning against it, and I'm not really sure why, but as far as 
reselling digital content, I, I actually have to say I'm opposed to it. Um, now, I buy most of my uh, real games used, uh, so I save, you know, 5 10 up to $30 off of those. But the reason I like digital copies more is that they start off typically at a less price. Uh, so at least um, on the PS Vita, the games that release on there are typically 10 15% off of what they are in the retail store. And it's nice to be able to download that anytime I want. You know, I can even delete it off my memory stick if I get a little low on memory. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with uh, your concern. And what I believe is that on hard copies, on discs, uh, the cost of reselling is already factored into it. That's why the hard copies and the discs are like $60, whereas the digital copies you can find for $40 and everything. If the market does open up for uh, digital games reselling, I really don't think it's going to happen in the next five or ten years. But if it does open up, this will defini uh, definitely drive the cost of the games up, as you were saying in uh, earlier. So I do I do agree with your point that, yes, the cost of the games are going to go up if digital reselling happens. And if digital reselling is really abused, I don't know how much the cost of games uh, will go up. Um, uh, for example, me selling my online pass to Battlefield 3 uh, to you and then buying it back from you when I want to play and we just keep doing it between us. This, this is gonna, this, can, this thing, because it's so easy to sell and buy and easy to transfer, can really be abused in the future. Right. And I think, you know, this, this again gets into the question of what can you sell? I think if you buy a you know, a digital copy of a game, that can be resold. But if you buy an online pass, that should be tied to your account. And unless if you sell your entire account, it should not let you, uh, I guess, pay that over. Um, however, I do think that used copies of the game where... Okay, so you go into GameStop, the store and you see that the brand new um, we'll call it Call of Duty game is five dollars off used but what you don't realize is that then you have to go home and pay an extra ten dollars to play it online I think that game stores need to start kinda being cognizant of if that game has an online passcode they should really lower the price of used copies because without the online play, you're essentially paying full price for a four-hour you know, time frame. Yeah, definitely. Unless the person only wants to play the single-player campaign, then they, they got a good deal. But if they, if they want to get into multiplayer, definitely uh, they, they basically got ripped off. And I'm... I, Game stores w should take the responsibility of advertising that on uh, the games. I think uh, the publishers do take uh, do do a very good job with this by putting it on front and center, saying requires online pass, uh, which is which is which is pretty good in that aspect. And as a gamer, you should be informed 
while going to the store and purchasing something. If it's too good to be true, it might not be true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's move on to our uh, next topic where we're going to discuss more Battlefield news. And um, Battlefield uh, 4 Beta is bundled with uh, Medal of Honor Limited Edition. It's a little bit older news, but uh, let's just cover it quickly uh, so that we can give our views on it. Uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, Battlefield, because I know the community, there is a lot of response about this. They're saying, nah, why is it? Why, why is the beta bundle with Medal of Honor and all those things? Uh, what do you feel about that, Noah? Well, I think that they're trying to get more people to buy a Medal of Honor. Uh, that's really why I think they're doing it. And I'm not really angry about it. I also believe that there will be other ways to get into the Battlefield 4 beta. Uh, for instance, I think the beta was only concerned with the PC limited edition pre-order. I wasn't sure about the console versions. So, you know, I played in the Battlefield 3 beta before it came out, and I didn't have to sign up for that or anything. I just, I just started playing it. So that was pretty cool. Um, but... How I feel about it, I, it's going to take so long for it to come out anyway. Uh, what were the reports saying? Like the end of 2013 or even the beginning yeah. of 2014? Yeah, fall of, fall of 2013. Yeah, it's just so far away. I'm not really concerned about it yet. <laughs> I might change my mind next summer. But at this current moment in time, it's just too far away to have angry feelings about yeah, uh, it kind of makes me question the quality of uh, Medal of Honor if they have to bundle in Battlefield 3 with it uh, as a pre-order bonus and not something else. I haven't looked at the details. I don't know whether there's anything else bundled with uh, the, any other pre-order bonuses on this. Yeah. Also, what I saw was uh, Frankie on PC. I watched his video and he had access to Medal of Honor Alpha and he played that and he kind of put a kind of a mini review about that and he said that uh, the maps are smaller and the bolt action ri rifle gameplay is awesome and I've been waiting for some good sniper gameplay game uh, I haven't found in bad company in Battlefield 3 that the bolt action rifles are that good I know some people are good with it but I'm not good with it and I was pretty good with the bolt action rifle in bad company too so that is something exciting for me, but it still doesn't sell me the game uh, for some reason. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I remember playing the last Medal of Honor game. I think it was just called Medal of Honor. Um, and I actually played the campaign on my friend's Xbox. And then about four months later, I saw it in the store for $10. So I picked it up thinking, oh, I'll, you know, I'll try it. I put it in my system, let it install, and then took it out and never played it. So it's, it's not that it was a bad game by any means. It was a lot of fun, and I, I do like the physics engine of Medal of Honor, but it, it didn't have the replayability that Battlefield has. So that might be another thing that they're trying to throw in there with the beta yeah, definitely. I think they are trying to make it real good, but I I really do not. I really doubt how good it's gonna be uh, as a final product. I mean, the last Medal of Honor game I played, I played the single player campaign, 
and it was kind of okay i mean it was it they tried to do it as similar to call of duty kind of thing but it it wasn't up there with uh, the call of duty single player campaign so uh, i think it's more like wait and see uh, what happens <laughs> and i'm going to be watching reviews and everything before i drop my money on uh, the medal of honor warfighter i'm pretty sure it's the same for you too yeah i'm certainly not going to be pre-ordering anything for the hopes of playing the battlefield 4 beta in a year yeah um and i'm pretty sure that the battlefield 4 beta medal of honor um uh pre-orders might get early access to it but maybe a week or two weeks after it it will become open beta and everybody will be able to play it like it has been in the past Right, so they'll they'll get the chance to play the broken game, you know, <laughs> with all of the issues, the in-game mics not working, and then by the time the public gets to play the beta, it'll at least be a a fluid game. Yeah. With a little bit of holes in the ground every now and then. <laughs> Actually, betas are uh, surprisingly fun. I mean, um, if I hadn't played Bad Company 2 beta on the PS3, I probably wouldn't have gotten into Battlefield at all. So, I mean, beta secures a lot of uh, pre-orders and uh, it sells games. So, I think, and I believe DICE uses uh, betas as a strategy to sell game rather than to, uh, of course, they use it to test it. But on the same thing, they are also like, these people are going to play our beta, it's free, and they're going to buy the game. Uh, let's uh, move on to our next topic is um, I actually watched a video from Jack Frags and he said that Battlefield 4 could very well be on uh, the next gen console and I I'm starting to believe that because I think the next gen uh, next gen consoles are at our doorstep right now and uh, I think there were rumors of a new PS3 being announced at Gamescon uh, what do you think about uh, this uh, rumor or this idea that uh, Battlefield 4 will be on the next-gen console? Well, I certainly think we're looking sometime in the next two years to see new consoles from the three big hitters. Obviously, the Wii U is, you know, front and center as always. Uh Xbox will probably release before PlayStation, just based on what the Sony people have been saying. Um, and so we we know that they're coming. So pretty much what we have to do is create a timeline in our heads. If the new consoles are coming out in the next, you know, one, two years, Battlefield 4 is coming out in the next one, two years, it's very likely that one of at least the developers are developing for one of the new consoles uh you know there's also a lot of talk turning it around to a different game about grand theft auto 5 they've released some screenshots of that and they they look pretty i'm not saying they look better than this gen but a lot of people are and so it's possible we could be seeing new consoles on the market by next summer, certainly we'll see announcements by next Christmas. Uh, are you going to pur purchase the next-gen console, day one? <laughs> day one, no. <laughs> day two, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the thing is that uh, about the next gen console and this is just my view about them is that i'm not going to purchase the next gen console just so that my game can look prettier i'm pretty sure that a game that is re released on a next gen console will also be released on a ps3 and xbox so i yeah at least for the first couple of years yeah so i would be able to play it but i will definitely purchase a next gen console if it has it includes more player in multiplayer games so we can have maybe 60 64 player or maybe at least uh, 40 players in battlefield uh, uh, 3 or the battlefield 4 uh, that would be really a selling point for it but better graphics i think the current consoles are doing a very good job of giving us uh, really good graphics and i probably might that probably might not be a selling point for me initially at least unless some really good deal comes out yeah the only thing i would sort of disagree with you about is it's not so much the better graphics but better graphics allows you to create better worlds um so you look at skyrim and how much bigger the world is from oblivion uh before it you know even including the expansion packs so the better graphics you have the more you're able to create inside the world which you could argue does make the game a little bit better yeah and uh, i think you're touching on the fundamental point is that better games sells consoles it's not the console that sells itself <laughs> that's certainly true with the vita <laughs> yeah uh Moving on, we're going to talk a little bit about the Armored Kill DLC trailer. And uh, uh, what what was your highlight of that trailer? What was the one thing that you were like, wow, this is cool? Or did you like the trailer? Or you were like, oh, it's okay. Reactions. Well, you know, I... I plan on having a lot of fun with Armored Kill. It's typically not the kind of gameplay I like. Uh, I have my tanks maxed out. I've played enough with them. So I'm kind of trying to move into other things. Um, I'm still working on helicopters and jets. Those are a little bit tricky. But I've started to rely more heavily on just being a support troop instead of at the front line. I've sort of taken that role on for myself. Uh, do you think that the new anti-tank LAV plus tank cannon uh, vehicle that they are introducing would be a little overpowered? Uh, it very well could be overpowered. Um, the only thing it reminds me of is one of the LAVs in Battlefield 3 right now, you can upgrade to have the tank shell and the normal LAV shell. So you can basically just shoot a barrage of tank-destroying rounds. Uh, you get six shots for each uh, primary gun. And so you can take out a tank with, you know, two clips of each. Uh, Definitely. I mean, my feelings about that LAV is, like, I'm not much of an LAV person, but I do drive a tank. And whenever I, whenever I come across an LAV, which have armor piercing round and it knows what it's doing uh, the main problem that I have is that those rounds are so blinding 
that I can't even see the LAV and shoot at it no matter if I run thermal if I'm not running thermal and what they do is they switch between the armor piercing round and the normal rounds at the LAV and it's just a continuous rate of fire and you're completely blinded and that's what my feeling is like about this new LAV and BTR if you put reactive armor on it and it has a tank cannon and if it has an armor piercing round as secondary that could well be very overpowered in a lot of sense but I believe we'll have to see <laughs> yeah and you know as we have seen they put overpowered things into the game and then all the servers ban it and then they take it out so it, it becomes a waiting game if it is overpowered yeah definitely uh, what are your thoughts about the AC-130? <laughs> well, the, the question is, will it be a fad? And I have to say, absolutely, it will be a fad. But that doesn't mean it will be a fad that ends. Uh, we see on Damavan Peak the skydiving off of the helipad. People will spawn up there, even if their squad is in a really good place down below, just so that they have the chance to skydive again. Um, and if you can really skydive out of the AC-130, which has been rumored, I'm not sure if it's confirmed yet, uh, I think that people will continually spawn on the AC-130 just to skydive out of it. Yeah, I think I think it will be like a cool addition, but uh, hopefully it's not overpowered to change, uh, be a game changer. Uh, it will just be kind of a novelty where two guys can sit and gun. Uh, I don't see myself. I would. I would definitely be gunning for the first two days, but after that, I'll be like, oh, I'm a little tired of gunning. I want to walk on uh, la solid ground and kind of take guys out and everything. So that's that's kind of like my thinking about the AC-130 is. But I mean, it would be something cool to see. But um, definitely, I think people are gonna use it for skydive more than trying to gun it but there will be always those two guys who will always be in it and always will be gunning uh, yep. from the gunner position so, yeah you can't discount those two guys uh, what do you think about the snow map i'm i'm excited i've always loved snow maps uh from the first socom they're just it's just so much fun to be in a cold environment especially at night i don't know there's just something about it that <laughs> i guess warms me up yeah, definitely. And I I don't remember it correctly, but I think in Bad Company 2, you can see people's footsteps in the snow map. And if they implement that in this game, that would be really cool to like track somebody down, whether somebody went inside a building or not. That might, be, that might add a level of strategy to uh, this uh, uh, DLC and Battlefield 3 in general. So that's pretty cool. Um, uh, do you have any rumors anything about the tank superiority uh, game mode in armored kill uh i don't know i think battlefield should almost just be called tank superiority right now <laughs> <laughs> just based on you know you run through the map and it doesn't matter where you are you can get killed by a tank anywhere so the team with the tanks always seems to win in a conquest game uh, definitely, and especially when it's hardcore, because I feel like uh, tanks are not very well balanced for hardcore. 
uh, people have just 60 health and the tanks really do not have any negative points to it except for you can't go into third person mode so even a little bit of splash damage and you can you can basically kill a lot of people using just one tank so yeah so we'll see about this tank superiority i'm a tank guy i i drive a tank whenever i can if i see a tank at the spawn i spawn there i get the tank and i start rolling into flags so i would uh, i would be definitely watching out for it but however i do not like to face other tanks uh, because i'm not very good at tank versus tank combat i'm okay at tank versus infantry combat uh, so we'll have to see how if this LEV actually this new LEV if it goes round and round and I can't even aim my tank cannon at it and its armor piercing shells are blinding me uh, I might have a little bit of rage <laughs> about the tank <laughs> superiority mode but apart from that I think we can only look forward uh, definitely love new game modes I believe like that mm -hmm. is that is one thing that DICE does very well is introduce new game modes and uh, we'll be definitely looking forward to it. So uh, they released a very, uh, I would say, it's, it's very uh, little information about the Aftermath DLC. And uh, basically, um, the DLC uh, ha is on urban maps, and these maps are affected by earthquakes. So there would be some fissures and stuff that you can go through and uh, it's uh, kind of a nice setting and uh, I think it fits the name Aftermath perfectly when you're talking about earthquakes and you're talking about urban environments. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I think, you know, like I said with Armored Kill, I'm going to have a lot of fun on Aftermath. Uh, and that really just says something to Battlefield 3 in general. It's just a fun game to play. But I... I think that Close Quarters went too far in terms of making maps small and giving you constant action. I like to be able to rest in between firefights. I like to be able to reload. Um, so I think that the Urban Warfare in Aftermath might give us the perfect mix. It might bring us back to almost a vanilla you know, state or even the towns in the Back to Karkin expansion, where you know you run from building to building, you can take a couple hits here and there, but once you're in a building, you feel pretty safe. Yeah, definitely. I feel the same thing about uh, Aftermath. It's going to be somewhere like a middle ground. It's I, I'm thinking more like CN Crossing, Grand Bazaar, maybe metro more like those maps uh, but they are kind of deteriorated some buildings might be on their side uh, fallen due to earthquakes and stuff and uh, i agree with you on close quarters i mean in close quarters you can kill a lot of people quite quickly i mean if i play a close quarter map for 30 minutes i usually have like 40 to 50 kills uh, so you're killing a lot of people but all the kills they feel a little cheap Whereas on the bigger map, you really enjoy that one kill in which you tried uh, and you flanked around uh, the hill and you tried to get that guy. So I, I think that's what you are uh, basically talking about in close quarter. The action is fast paced, but the kills feel a little cheap compared to uh, the kills on the bigger map. Yeah, it's just too fast paced for me. 
So I think Aftermath will be a little bit of a guardian angel for that. You know, it'll bring back the slow, let's take it easy, let's be tactical, but then let's kill a lot of people. So are you expecting that there will be an earthquake during the in between the game and that will change the map a little bit like there is that tower that falls in Caspian border right i was i was actually thinking about caspian border um i don't know i think it's possible uh we did i mean in the co-op missions there is that little mini earthquake on um what what mission is that uh, it's the first mission with the Hummers that you have to protect from the tanks and the people coming at them. Yeah. Uh, there's a little mini earthquake there. So I think the engine definitely can handle having an earthquake. I'm not sure that there will be an earthquake. I think, especially in like a squad rush mode, if there was an earthquake, it would totally give one team an advantage over the other, which seems unfair. Yeah, I think I think there could be balancing issues and also there could be issues to how much that engine can handle and run. Uh, the earthquake is going to take a lot of work and I don't Dice already has our money because we all subscribe for premium. So I don't know I don't think they're going to say they're going to give us the earthquake or not. <laughs> they're yeah. going to say oh we already have our but we don't need to sell DLC. We're not going to give you an earthquake. But if they had they were they had to but I'm just joking about that uh, point. <laughs> uh anyway, um do you expect uh, it says that it has new heavily modified military and civilian vehicles. What kind of vehicles do you think we are expecting here? I mean, uh, most of the community is pointing towards pickup trucks with miniguns and everything. What yeah. what vehicle do you want to see? Even though you know that it's not going to be in the game, but <laughs> just give it a give it a wild uh, guess or prediction or something that you want to see. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure the uh, ATVs are going to be a part of Armored Kill, correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, so that would definitely be one, but it'll already be in the game by the time we get to aftermath. Um, I almost think some sort of like a motorcycle would be awesome. Um, but I but, believe they are reserving that motorcycle for uh, the end game DLC. Exactly. That's exactly. going to be the big selling point. We got motorcycles. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I think I might just like generic civilian cars that kind of blend in with the map a little bit, don't show up on the mini map, and can't be targeted by javelins. Uh, just for transportation, they can't shoot. You can't shoot out of them. But I think, they, obviously, they can still explode. <laughs> but I, I think that they would kind of add a a fun way to get around without drawing too much attention. Yeah. Have you uh, finished the single-player campaign in Battlefield 3? Yes, I have. Uh, I have not finished it. And I think I have no plans of... Uh, I, I have not even launched it. So I have no plans of playing that but is there any kind of civilian uh, vehicle that is in that uh, campaign because i know dice likes to recycle stuff rather than create something new so yeah. that might give a hint do you remember anything in that co-op mission what is it exfiltration or something like that yeah. no it's the last one i don't remember what it's called but you I never do drive an, an suv through the garage um at the end there 
Yeah. It's possible we could be getting SUVs. In the game, right before you assault one of the big, like, head honcho, I think he's Russian guys, on his estate, you are in some sort of a SUV-type vehicle. And then I think right at the beginning of the game, you're riding in some sort of SUV through either New York or Paris um, to go disarm a bomb somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so we might see an SUV. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, if they have it in the single-player campaign, it wouldn't take them a whole lot of effort to put it in uh, uh, the multiplayer. What I would ri- really like to see is a Jeep with uh, RPG attached to it. Uh, that would you be... know how to do that, though, is you just sit <laughs> take in the one Jeep. of your engineers with an RPG. <laughs> sit in the Jeep, right? But uh, but I believe when you're sitting in the Jeep, you can't, do, uh, you can't uh, actually uh, aim 360 degrees. That is correct. You yeah. can only aim, what is it, like... It's more than 180, but it's it's definitely not the full circle. It's not the full circle. I wanna I I, I really want a jeep with an with unlimited RPG on top of it, and <laughs> I'll take it on top of a hill and I'll start uh, pissing people off <laughs> using that. So that is that is what vehicle I I would like to see. Although I don't expect that they're gonna create something like that. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. So uh, we'll move on to the next topics, and I think Noah, you you're gonna take charge of these topics. Uh, you got it. Yeah. So guys, there's a PSN summer sale. They call it PlayStation Network Play 2012. Uh, game more, save more, and. The whole idea behind this is that they're offering four games at the end of summer 2012 that you can buy. Um, If you buy two games, you get $3 back. If you buy three games, you get $6 back. And if you buy all four games, you get $10 back. Now, all of these games are also discounted with PlayStation Plus 20% off. Um, And the four games are The Expendables 2, which is kind of a a shoot-em-up game. There's a game called Sound Shapes. There's Papo and Yo, which is a pretty new game that, well, it's, it's not out yet, but it, it will be a pretty new concept. You're a, you're a person with a giant rhinoceros friend, and he's pink, and I don't really know much about it, but that's all I got out of the trailer. And then the game I'm ecstatic about, Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Uh, and you can pre-order these games. You can just log on to your PlayStation or go on to the uh, Sony website. And when you pre-order them, you get some pre-order bonuses. So I know if you pre-order Counter-Strike Global Offensive, you get to have um, a new theme, which I know a lot of us are excited about, sort of. Uh, but I'm excited about them. And... You know, so it's kind of Sony's doing this weird thing where if you buy two, you get $3 back. I think that's going to force people to say, I don't really want to play this game, but it's half price, so I might as well pick it up. Kind of like what happened with the Steam sale a couple weeks ago. I I didn't really buy too much, but the things I did, it was kind of the, I've heard this is a really fun game. I might want to play it eventually, so I'll buy it. Uh, the Counter Strike Go um, individually, how much? How much is it costing? Uh, Counter Strike Go, I believe they claimed it will cost fifteen dollars, but it might be twenty. Uh, I heard it from a couple of different sources, or maybe I'm getting it confused with the PlayStation Plus discount. Um, but it's certainly twenty or less. Okay. And so and one 
Yeah, okay, go. <laughs> so basically you buy four games and you save around uh, t 10 to 12 bucks on That's everything? That's correct. It actually gets credited back to your account after you buy the games, so you can use it for future purchases. Okay. That's a, that's a good deal. I will have to uh, look into that. Uh, Counter-Strike uh, was one of the first first-person shooters that I actually played uh, with other people on a LAN. And it was a lot of fun uh, uh, at that time. Have you get, uh, gotten a chance to play Counter-Strike Go? Or is it in Alpha, Beta or something? Do you know anything about that? It is, it is only in Alpha or maybe Beta on the PC right now. Mm -hmm. I've watched some YouTube videos and it looks to be... Uh, almost a perfect remake plus of the original Counter-Strike. We remember the the first dust map. They added a new stairwell in the terrorist tunnel. So if you guys are familiar with that, I, I know that not everyone will be, so you have no idea what I'm talking about. But there's a new stairwell there so that there's two ways in and out of that tunnel. So if you, you won't get trapped there anymore, which is great. But... One interesting thing that they're adding for the PS3 is the uh, varied controllers that you can use. So everyone knows about the generic two-analog stick PS3 controller. Counter-Strike Global Offensive, or CSGO, also allows you to use the Mosin controller, and that includes the sharpshooter, any of the uh, PS Move attachments, guns that you have. In addition... You can use a full keyboard and a mouse to control CSGO, which has really only been implemented in one or two other PS3 games in the past. So that's a pretty big step. And it allows people to have that PC feel on their PlayStation, which is pretty exciting. Well, they are really targeting, uh, they really get want to get back their PC fans on the PlayStation, I believe. Yep, and I think part of the reason they're trying to do that is for anyone who has the orange box, I doubt anyone's still playing it heavily, but I do not remember the orange box being released for PS3 being that great of you know a, a fun time. Sure, the Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2 are some of the best games, but once you get past that, I, I had a hard time finding people in servers Maybe that's better now, or maybe it's a lot worse because the game is five years old now. Uh, yeah, I remember the orange box, and I want to get the orange box, but I want to get it for uh, the Xbox because I've heard horrible thing about the PS3 orange box. I think Valve generally they do they do a bad job on uh, their PS3 ports and everything, and they that's why sometimes on many games they've said that, hey, we're not going to release this game for the PS3 at all. We're just going to go Xbox, like Left 4 Dead and uh, yep, yep. all those games. Uh, but um, uh, speaking about this mouse and uh, keyboard controller, I actually saw a controller for PS3, uh, which is um, which is basically, which gives you a mouse, and it also gives you an analog uh, stick for your left hand. So basically... You have a mouse, and then you have half of an Xbox controller on your left hand, which you can uh, which you can use to move around, and you can use the mouse to shoot and go aim down sights and everything. Uh, so I think there's a product like this uh, that is sold in the market, and you can use it with your current games. However, uh, these products they are they are a hit and miss. Uh, 
uh, I think I saw a review of one of these products and the guy was trying to draw a circle on the PS3 screen with the mouse and it was actually drawing a square. You know how the analog stick sometimes is not mm -hmm. going diagonal, it can only go up, down, left, right. And because of that, when he was trying to draw a circle on the PS3 screen, it was drawing a square. So, I mean, if anybody is uh, thinking about buying a mouse uh, controller with a left analog stick, uh, just go there and see some reviews on YouTube before you think about buying this. But I believe Counter-Strike, they're just, uh, just USB mouse and keyboard and you're good to play. That's what they make it sound like. I'm not sure if it will require a special PS3 keyboard and mouse. Uh, that has not been revealed through media yet. Okay, that's that's pretty cool because I already have a keyboard and mouse attached to my PS3 uh, Bluetooth. <laughs> <laughs> so yep, yep. hopefully that will work too. And I'm I'm definitely looking forward to getting uh, Counter Strike Go. I think uh, the developers are taking their sweet time in developing their game and making it perfect. Because I've been seeing videos of Alpha and Beta for about six months now, right? Yep, yep, that's about right. Yeah, I I really love when uh, developers give a game that much time and really balance it out. Uh, so let's move on to uh, the next topic. Uh, Noah, you take it away. Yep. The next topic we're going to talk about is the PlayStation Vita. Um, I own a PlayStation Vita. I do not believe Zitter does. So you're part of the minority? <laughs> yes, I am part of the very small minority. Uh, but this week we're not going to be talking about sales at all. Um, it, it's basically, we'll, we'll probably have a little bit of PS Vita news here and there, but this time, I specifically want to talk about the cross-play features. Uh, this past week, last Tuesday, they just released a game. It's called Foosball 2012. And they released it on PS Vita and the PlayStation 3. Now, the great thing about this game is if you buy one version, so say I buy it on the PlayStation 3, it gives me the PlayStation Vita version as well for free. So I bought it, I actually bought it on the PlayStation Vita because I wanted to make sure it was going to work on the Vita before I switched over to the PS3. And it worked just fine when I got on my PlayStation. It downloaded automatically just fine. And then I could start playing. I started playing on my Vita about an hour later, switched over to the PS3, picked off right where I left off. And it was, it was really cool. Another cool thing is that you can also play PS3 to Vita. Now, I know that there have been a couple games. Um, there was Marvel Ultimate or Marvel vs. Capcom. Um, that is actually the only one I'm thinking of right now. But uh, in the future, we should be seeing more PS3 versus PS Vita. Um, and so... Wipeout, that was the other one, the uh, Space Racer game. And so it's fun to play against people on their PS3 and the Vita. And people are worried if they're going to have the, the fair competitive nature um, from system to system. And for a game like Foosball, the controls are exactly the same. So it is completely fair. Uh, and actually, the... 
the big game coming out soon is the PlayStation All-Stars Battle Battle Royale. Um, and that's going to be cross-play as well. And I've heard through the grapevine that it works really well to play on both the PS Vita and the PS3. So I think this cross-play feature is something that could not only really help the PlayStation Vita sale, but it will also just really make those people who bought an early PS Vita happy. Yeah, uh, I mean, I believe uh, PS Vita is a console in development still. And I think they are releasing new features. And if Sony keeps on releasing these cool features and these cool games, and I believe uh, you're also getting apps on Vita, right? That is correct. I have Skype. I have YouTube. Um, there's a there's some sort of TV channel thing from Japan, which I have, but I haven't played around with very much. Um, Let's see. There's Netflix, which is great. It looks amazing. On yeah, the I've PS heard about screen. that. So I, I think maybe in two years it will have the amount of apps and games and everything, which will actually influence uh, a person to uh, adopt the Vita. And I know, like when you adopted it, you were like you were an early adopter. You were like, okay, I'm gonna take a chance with this. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that maybe in a couple of years, people will be ma able to make an informed uh, decision about like, hey, yes, I want this console. And especially crossplay helps a lot. I think there should be, I mean, every game that I play on the PS3, if it is on the PS Vita, definitely I'm going to go ahead and buy it because, uh, I mean, uh, when my wife is watching the TV downstairs... Uh, I can probably turn on my PS3 and then she can go on to whatever channel she's watching and I can sit upstairs and I can play my games. <laughs> yep, yep. And the yeah, the remote play is actually what you're talking about. And like you can play games on your PlayStation 3 from your PlayStation Vita. And right now, you know, it's it's kind of a hit or miss. Not many games are compatible with it. They all technically could be. Um, there have been some people who have hacked their PlayStation Vitas, and so they're playing Battlefield 3 off of their Vitas. Um, until they release a real update for it, I will not be doing anything like that. But the ability to play games on my PlayStation anywhere mm -hmm. is just amazing. My parents live up... Uh, about four and a half hours north of where I live, I can go up there, turn on my PlayStation Vita, hit remote play, and it turns on my PlayStation 3 in my apartment, or now my house. Okay. Uh, so it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. If Sony continue to push it as an integrated console, uh, that will definitely help. And I think uh, right now, unless Xbox comes up with a handheld, uh, in this space, uh, there is not that much competition so i can see game developers develop for vita because i know it's an it is it's an additional headache for them to develop this cross play and develop a uh, uh, different kind of interaction between ps3 and vita in each game uh, but i can see that happening if there is no competition uh, to it yeah and, you know, people say that the main competition right now is from Nintendo and the 3DS. But these consoles aren't even comparable 
Um, yeah. Not that the 3DS isn't good. I'm I'm sure it is. I don't have one. Um, I love the DS. I have three of those in different shapes and sizes. So uh, Nintendo does things right, but this this PlayStation Vita is a completely new thing. It's it's a mix between a tablet and a game console, and it's the first successful version of that. Okay. Uh, for our listeners, if uh, they buy a PS Vita, what are the first two or three games that they should definitely buy? What would you recommend? So yeah, if I had to make a list of PlayStation Vita games that everyone should have, uh, my favorite is actually... It was first made in Japan, and now it's over in the United States, called Gravity Days or Gravity Rush, depending on your region. It is an action-adventure RPG slash game. Um, It was actually made for the PS3, but when the developers learned about the PlayStation Vita, they were like, let's give it a shot. And it it is just a really fun game where you control gravity. You have a little cat that helps you do attacks every now and then. It's just a fun game. Uh, Second game I would recommend is Unit 13. It is the PlayStation Vita's first shooter. It's third person, um, but one neat thing about it is even if you beat all the the single-player campaign missions, um, you can do it all over again with a buddy. All the single-player missions are co-op online or across a local network. In addition, they release new missions. It used to be daily when it came out. I haven't been on Unit 13 in quite a while. I've been a little busy this summer. So I don't know if they're still doing it daily. But new missions every day is pretty amazing for a developer. Uh, And then third game I would recommend, it might take you guys for a shock. I know a lot of you guys would expect me to say Uncharted. But I've actually had a lot of fun with Lego Harry Potter, years 5 through 7. I had the game on PS3. It's actually a lot different on the PlayStation Vita. The levels are just set up in a different way, so you can replay it on a different system and not get tired of it in the same way. I'd keep your eyes out, though, for the PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale, which I talked about earlier. Uh, Little Big Planet Vita should be a big hit, and I'm really excited for Need for Speed Most Wanted. It would be great to have finally have a good racing game on such a great system. Uh, definitely, and I think v- Vita is going to develop a lot in the next couple of years, and I think we're going to be talking about it many times in this podcast in the future. Uh, let's move on to our next section. Uh, and um, Have you seen uh, the Dark Knight movie, Dark Knight Rises movie, yet? You know, I actually haven't. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to be shocked to hear that. I still haven't seen the Avengers. And what it comes down to is that superhero movies, I like watching them, but I'm not really a go-to-the-movie-theater-and-see-this-movie kind of guy when it comes to superhero movies. Uh, Have you watched the second uh, Batman movie, though, uh, the one with the Joker? Yes, I have. I've seen all the other Batman movies, just I haven't watched this one yet. Yeah, so I'm going to, I actually watched this movie uh, last week uh, on the Friday that it came out. And um, I'm going to think I'm going to do a little bit of review here of this movie. Uh, It's going to be a spoiler-free review. But uh, if you have not watched the second movie, 
which is the one with the Joker, Dark Knight, there are going to be spoilers for uh, that movie. So if you don't want to spoil the second movie, which you should have already watched by now, I mean, there's no reason not to. It's a great movie. Uh, you should skip uh, at least five minutes ahead right now. Um, anyway, uh, coming back to Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Dark Knight Rises, the movie, it's good, but it's not awesome. I mean, um, the main thing that threw me off about this movie is like, at many times I was kind of telling myself, like, that doesn't make any sense, or that is kind of like illogical. There are a lot of things that happen in this movie which are like, which you would be like, it's 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 not making any sense. I'm gonna give you an example from the second movie. Uh, do you remember in the second movie uh, when Harvey Dent turns to Two Face suddenly, like all of a sudden? <laughs> yes, right? yes. That was like so out of character. I mean, <laughs> that was like I can't believe this guy was talking about so many good things and now he's like a maniac suddenly and it it was kind of like a very weird transformation and uh, do you remember the scene with the self all the cell phones turning into sonars and then uh, every the whole city is getting 3d mapped and everything with oh, uh, yeah yeah yep, yep. yeah and that scene was also like very questionable and you were like ah oh, how is this even possible? I mean, I, I, I know it's a superhero movie, but Batman is not your superhero. He's not Superman. He can't do like everything. He's, he, he has his limitations. And uh, that kind of moments were prevalent in this movie a lot. Uh, the first uh, one hour of the movie is awesome. But after that, things like this, like you kind of like, why is this happening? And why is uh, basically you're going to uh, tell yourself that doesn't make any sense. And I thought really that maybe it's only me that is not enjoying this movie because of its uh, plot holes and its uh, character holes. Uh, but uh, you know what? When I saw the Joker, Dark Knight, uh, uh, there was clapping during the movie and there was clapping at the end of the movie. I mean, the the people cheered and clapped and it went on but at the end of this movie there was there was kind of a lukewarm response there was no clapping or anything so i'm i'm pretty sure that even other people had the same kind of issue uh, with this movie although i mean it's still better than your average superhero movie uh, but it just doesn't hit uh, that mark of like being awesome and how great the second movie was, despite its plot holes. You want to comment anything on that? Uh, real quickly, it's it's just kind of how Nova Dragon watches movies. <laughs> I think that that fits in well here. Um, I watch movies to be entertained. Uh, so basically, when I start watching a movie, I take all of my disbelief and I throw it out the window. So anything that movie tells me, I will believe for that two hours. So I think, for the most part, I typically don't have problems with inconsistencies or things like that, where other people go crazy. You know, it's the same thing if you read a book and then watch the movie. People get really angry if they're different. I could care less. I just like watching the movie. So I probably wouldn't mind the 
the same problems you're talking about with The Dark Knight Rises. I probably would enjoy it as the movie it is. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I enjoyed the movie, uh, but the, there is also one aspect to it. There is not as much action as the previous movies. So it it's kind of more serious. And it is more like the first movie, which is The Batman Begins. It's more like that movie comp- uh, than to the second movie. But uh, I think I think we can end this review on that. Otherwise, uh, I'm gonna spoil something for somebody, and somebody is gonna get pissed. Yeah, and me, <laughs> and you. <laughs> so, so I mean, definitely go to the movie hall. Um, it's definitely a watch. I mean, I would say for this summer, Avengers is your number one. Is the number one movie that you should watch in the movie hall, and of course, Dark Knight is the number two that you should definitely go and watch in the movie hall. I mean, I tend to wait for Blu-rays to come out before I, uh, um, for most movies. But these were the two movies that I decided that, hey, I'm going to go to the movie hall and watch these movies because I expected them to be really good. Uh, although Dark Knight Rises didn't hit that mark, uh, I would still see, uh, I mean, if you are interested in this movie, there is no reason to just hold back. Definitely go ahead, give it a try. Uh, let's move on to our next section. Next pause uh, let's move on to our next section where we give a little bit of battlefield tips uh, to uh, our listeners out here and I'm gonna try and cover hip firing uh, as one of my tips if you see somebody uh, who is if you use a shotgun and uh, basically mm, I will have to redo this Pause again. Okay. Okay, let's move on to our next section, which we call Battlefield 3 Tips. And uh, I want to give out a tip here about hip firing. Uh, I watched it. We all know that hip firing is less accurate than going aim down sights, aiming down sights, which we also call ADS, uh, on almost every gun in Battlefield 3. And you have a little bit of accuracy bonus when you are aiming down sights rather than hip firing. Uh, however, when suppose you are firing an LMG and you started with a hip fire and then you went and aimed it down sights, you are not going to increase your accuracy by doing that because the hip firing penalty is still going to will still carry on to your aiming down sights uh, 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 although you are aiming down sights and this I learned by watching the puppies uh, video uh, also most of the PDWs uh, in Battlefield 3 if you attach a laser sight to them their aiming down sight accuracy is 0.5 and as soon as you attach, the, attach a laser sight their hip fire accuracy also becomes 0.5 so there is hardly any distance, uh, hardly any difference in both of them, whether you hip fire them or whether you aim down sights with them. And uh, uh, what are some of your favorite uh, PDWs or personal defense weapons in Battlefield 3, Noah? Well, I think overall I have to go with the... Uh, the uh... It's been such a long time since I played Battlefield. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you the list. MP7, P90? Either of the two? Yeah, yeah. The MP7 is definitely definitely my number one. I don't know what what I've used most 
back when I was just starting, I was using the PP2000 like it was my business. Yeah. Um, but the P90 has really turned into almost an imbalanced weapon. Just I picked it up for one random match because I, you know, someone told me, hey, you should try out the P90. I picked it up for one match, and I think my KDR, my kill death ratio, was almost 10. So you you can really tear it up with the P90, but I think the MP40 or the MP7 is still quite a bit of fun. Uh, do you hip fire with the those weapons a lot? If I have the laser sight on there, yes. If I if I'm going more tactical, put the suppressor, put the Cobra sight on it. Maybe not as much of the hip firing. Yeah, definitely. I've tried um, these three weapons, and uh, these three weapons I would say are the top three PDWs when you are fighting in close quarters: um, MP7, P90, and uh, uh, the PP2000. And I have, I think I have like 900 plus kills with PP2000, and I have 600 kills with MP7 and 600 kills with P90. Uh, however, for some reason, I I know that MP7 and P90 is already popular with the community. I see everybody using either of those guns. MP7 with extended mags is almost the same as P90. I mean, it's 10 bullets less, I believe, but it 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 does the job. Uh, but what I feel like is on the PP2000 uh, with the laser sights and the extended mags attached, I get 41 bullets, and the rate of fire is low, so I tend to waste less less bullets when I'm killing people. So suppose if I jump between three guys and I have the MP7 in my hand, uh, I would be able to kill the first guy and the second guy with the MP7, but for the third guy, I will have to pull my sidearm to kill them because, of, because the bullets just go too fast. Whereas on the PP2000, and I think PP2000 also has more damage than the MP7 up close. I think it's 25 versus 20 uh, for MP7. I might be incorrect. I'm pretty sure somebody's going to email me and tell me. Uh, but with the PP2000, it has a lower fire rate. So if I'm able to flank some guys, and that's what I always do, I try to flank as much as possible. Uh, I have enough bullets to take out guy 1, guy 2, guy 3. And if there are two more, that I pull out that 93R, which is everybody's favorite pistol, <laughs> and then t take them out. Yeah, actually, you mentioned the 93R. I was playing on a server today. The 93R was banned. Like it was, it, they said if you use the 93R, you get banned. Uh, so I pull out the Magnum. <laughs> <laughs> Were you playing on the PS3 or the Xbox? That was uh, on the PS3. PS3, uh, yeah. I heard that PC servers they have auto ban. So I mean, if you as soon as you kill somebody with it, you just get banned automatically. <laughs> yeah, that hasn't happened to me yet. I typically follow the rules. Yeah. So yeah, I I definitely do think that uh, they are nothing the 93R actually in the next match. They've already said it. And I think, but I do think it's a beast of a weapon. Uh, but I kind of like like it being overpowered because it's my kind of panic weapon. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And you you can shoot your twenty run rounds so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, you can put a lot of lead out uh, with that weapon. Uh, also, what what and I know it's an overpowered weapon. You know why? Because when I was running with my LMG, 
and I was going when whenever I used to go around the corner, I used to switch to my ninety three R. So I I'm like I have an M sixty in my hand. Uh, I think I was running with the LSAT. Okay, so I have an LSAT with a hand, and this gu- gun is an LMG, and it has hundred bullets in it. But I don't trust it around the corner. But yeah, I'm well, going I don't trust it. LMGs at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm 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 okay with LMGs. Uh, you kind of have to learn them to like all the assault rifles. They are more or less kind of the same, but every LMG has like a different kind of technique. I try I I like trying out different weapons. So I will I usually uh, tr- uh, unlock everything for one weapon and then move on to the next one. Uh, so all all these things. It's like oh, anyway, 93R definitely overpowered, uh, but it, there is no shame in using it. <laughs> it's my padding gun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an average player, and I need overpowered weapons sometimes. Uh, so, do you have any tips for our users today? I I do have a tip today, and because the aiming down the sights one was so serious, I thought I would give you guys a little bit of a troll tip. So, today I was playing, and I was just running around cap and flag A on uh, Operation Firestorm. And all of a sudden, this, this jeep comes up from behind me, and a support guy jumps out. The jeep keeps coming at me, and he blows it. Now, he didn't get the kill, and in fact, he did suicide. So here's what I'm going to tell you guys. Stop doing that. There's a much better way. Although, you're going to need a friend. So here's what you do. You spawn in as support. You drop at least 4C4 on the front of your Jeep. Then, you have your buddy get in it. You're going to need to talk to him throughout the whole process. He starts driving... He finds a tank, he finds a couple group of guys, he finds a sniper on a hill that you just want to kill because he shouldn't be sitting up on that hill. When he says blow, you hit the trigger, the C4 blows up, but his Jeep stays alive. This only works on regular games, it does not work on hardcore, you will kill him on hardcore. But, then, he just drives back to you, you plant more C4 on the Jeep, you go about your way, you cap some flags, he goes and finds a tank, you blow it up. It's the one of the most fun ways to troll people because they see this Jeep rolling up to them. It blows up, but the Jeep drives away afterwards. It's pretty hilarious. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, the C4 uh, Jeep, or the Jihad Jeep, as we call it, uh, it's, uh, some people consider it cheating. Some people consider it like, yeah, that's not fair and everything. I think I always thought it was fair because I mean, you have just as much chance of hitting that Jeep with the tank shell and it takes only one tank shell. Uh, as it takes part. only one explosive in general yeah. to kill that C4 Jeep. <laughs> yeah. So, and you, you get, uh, the vehicle destroy points, you get the kill and you get the destroy explosive points. So I mean, you can rack up up to up to like 200 to 300 points just by one tank shell. So I I think it's fair game. It's it's uh, yeah. if if the jeep is coming towards you and you are a tank that is not paying attention, you definitely you deserve, deserve to die. Yeah. 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 And but many people say, oh, that's glitching or that's cheating or we're gonna ban you if you do that. Uh, one thing I wanted to say about C4, uh, I mean, uh, have you completed that assignment that DICE gave us, uh, destroy uh, 25 uh, 
vehicles with C4. Is that to get the new camo, or was that to... New new camo on the PKP. Okay, yes, LMG. I, I have not yet unlocked that. I've been focusing more on the... Let's see, I wanted the new camo for the assault weapon. Okay, the F2000. Yes. Yeah, uh, about that assignment, uh, actually in Battlefield 3, and I think many people know that, that a spawn beacon, or a MAV, or an mm -hmm. EOD bot, or a tugs, they all count as vehicle. So I think a mortar also counts. Yeah, mortar also it. counts as vehicle. So if you just drop a C4 near it, blow it up, that will count in your vehicle kill. So you can complete your assignment by doing that. And we are telling you how to cheat because we don't really believe in getting assignments and homeworks. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say... If you really want to get that assignment the real way, all you need to do is squat up with me. I run sprint assault, and I basically sprint around the tank while you plant your C4. We both get away unscathed. <laughs> yes, uh, you know what? I have um, I have mostly uh, tried uh, I've tried the C4 assignment, and it has made me appreciate how amazing C4 is because sometimes I will run up to a tank and I'll start planting C4. And the guy in the tank will get out of the tank to kill me, and I will get in. <laughs> and, <laughs> yep, yep. And I think it has happened at least three or four times with me. And out of those three or four times, there were two times where that was the match-changing uh, moment in which I got the enemy tank. And w one time it was on CN Crossing, because in CN Crossing there are only two tanks. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. once you get the enemy T90... There is no way that the <laughs> enemy can do anything because now you have two tanks rolling like around. Like I said, tank superiority. Yep. And uh, the other time I got the tank was in Damawan Peak Conquest. And that is a very linear map. And if you take the enemy tank, there is no way they can ca come out of their base. So that was... Uh, that. So, it, I mean, C4 on tank. I mean, DICE gave me this assignment and I was frowning at it. Uh, but I think it has made me appreciate how awesome C4 is on tanks. Not to blow up tanks, but actually to steal them. And I think the engineers, they do the same thing using their repair torch on the tank. And the guy jumps out and they jump in and they steal the tank and run away. So, I mean, go ahead, try that. If I mean, just run like a kamikaze and try to put the C4 on that tank. Alright guys, it has been a pleasure talking with you this evening. I want to thank everyone out there for listening. We've had a blast making our very first episode of the Anonymous Squadcast. And remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Anonymous Squad. You can email us at AnonymousSquadcast at gmail.com. You can even leave us a voicemail at 6619A-Squad. And we will play it for you guys on the show. You can also subscribe to us at anonymoussquadcast.blogspot.com. And don't forget to add us on Skype so that you can talk with the cast of the Anonymous Squadcast and leave us a voice message. Also, you can add us on the PlayStation Network and you get a chance to play with us. We might even throw you out some uh, shout-outs here and there. My name is NovaXDragon. And my name is uh, Zitter Zap, Z-I-T-T-E-R, 
zap and definitely if you want to come over here and have this kind of discussions and if you have some tips or tricks to tell us uh, send us an email anonymous squadcast at gmail.com and we'll try to get you on the show and we want it to be a community driven show so we want the community to be a part of this show thank you guys for listening to us we'll see you in episode 2 my mother warned me about getting into cars with strange men this isn't a car